Hello and welcome to the podcast of First Church. My name is Emilio Garza. I'm the administrative pastor here at First Church. This message that you're listening to today is from our Purposed Youth Revival Weekend that we had in August 2023, and it's from the Friday night service. The message was titled, The Watchman of the Walls, and it was a great word. We had just such a great time in the Holy Ghost this night, and so we pray that this message is a blessing to you today. He's worthy. We love you, Jesus. We lift up your name, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I, I've got a few things that I probably need to say before I get started. First of all, I want to, uh, if, if this is your first time here, I, I'm, I'm kind of unfamiliar with everybody. I don't know all of your faces. the first time I've seen you. If you're new here, uh, I am too. I realize that it can be a little bit intimidating, but don't worry. This is a place where you can feel welcome, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you. You are the VIP, all right? You're, you're, you're the reason why we exist. And so I, I want to say first, welcome to you. And then to all of you here, thank you so much for, for being here, for your faithfulness. I know on a Friday night, there's a whole lot of places that you could be, but you choose to be in the house of God, and that's commendable. And I want to, I want to give you honor for that. And of course, to your pastor and pastor's wife, whole family, love and, and adore them. Um, great, great man. And it's clear that he loves you. And that is a special trait to have in a pastor and so you guys you guys are blessed with the best and so I, I give him honor and, and of course for trusting me to come out here and I, I thank you so much for the invitation I'm glad to have my my wife here my three kids are at home um, wish they could come but my my youngest my boy I've got two girls they, they've been in school who cares they're whatever but my youngest, my boy, he just started. His first day was yesterday. Yesterday. And so we're, we're kind of, it's, been a, it's been a roller coaster for us, you know. Um, so we, we, we miss them. But I'm glad to have my wife with me. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to get you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 62 and while you're turning there I want to say that I, I really I don't know how tonight is going to go I um, my wife and I woke up we, well we've been up since 3 o'clock in the morning yesterday today well no I guess technically it's today we've been up since 3 and um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit jittery from all the coffee and stuff that I've been drinking all day long. And um, there, there's no telling what in the world is going to come out of my mouth tonight. And I, it makes me a little bit nervous because I know this is, this is live stream. You can't just get away with saying anything these days. Um, 
So I, I, I don't know how this is going to go. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that is probably considered taboo. Normally, we sh evangelists, we're, we're preaching out, we should stick to something that we know works. But I feel in my heart to preach to you something tonight that I have never preached anywhere else before, but I feel it for this service. And I'll tell you that I did not fly all the way from Louisiana tonight to come have good church. I'm, I'm here because I want an encounter with the supernatural. And if, if we don't have that, then what are we doing? That's, that's my goal. That's what I want. And, and I hope that tonight you'll be challenged in your spirit. And um, hopefully this goes over well. We'll see how it goes. promise you this. If it doesn't, I probably won't ever preach it again. Isaiah 62, verse 6. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Verse 7 says, And give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And the phrase that I want you to pay special attention to, never hold their peace day or night. Keep not silence. That is the watchman upon the walls and that's what I want to to preach to you for these next few moments the watchman of the walls the watchman of the walls before you're seated why don't you just lift up your hands put your Bibles down and just help me pray for the remainder of the service we want God to do something incredible in this place Jesus you know that I'm nothing without you I need you tonight we need you tonight Lord we are here for an encounter with your presence we pray tonight that you would give us a demonstration of your love, your power, your glory. We already feel you tonight, God. We're praying that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and let your anointing flow in this place. Do something spectacular, Lord. Set the stage for what's going to come, Lord, in the coming services. In Jesus' name we pray. And God, we give you all the glory. Why don't you keep it going for just another minute and just give him your best praise. Lift him up right now because he's worthy. Jesus. We're here for you. It's all about you. We love you, God. We worship you, Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You're everything to us, Jesus. We're here for you, God. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you may be seated. There is a beautiful little place on the shore of Lake Geneva in the beautiful country of Switzerland. And there sits a very charming French-speaking city known as Lausanne. It's not spelled the way that it sounds. It's Lausanne. Tourists here enjoy the town's quaint cobblestone streets and the picturesque, beautiful, colorful buildings of the old town that, that seem to transport onlookers to another time long past. And it's home to numerous world-class museums, including the Olympic Museum, because this small city is also the home base for the International Olympic Committee. 
which is the authority that is responsible for organizing the summer and winter Olympics. But if museums are not your cup of tea, then you can enjoy guided boat rides on the gorgeous Lake Geneva with, with breathtaking views of the Swiss Alps beyond its borders. And any of these things and more make Lausanne a popular destination. But what sets this little Swiss town apart is another of its top attractions. It is a Gothic cathedral dating back to the late 1100s. Now, the climb up the 224 steps to the top of the cathedral's bell tower offers unparalleled views of Lake Geneva. And those beautiful mountains in the background providing the cherry on top. But even the view is not what sets this old cathedral apart. It's actually what happens later on in the night. Because come evening, when all is quiet in this small city until about 10 p.m., when the cathedral bells begin to toll, it's then that a figure appears like a shadow from the dark and, and walks toward the railing at the top of the cathedral. And once the bell clanging ends, he calls out through cupped hands and he proclaims that the bell rang 10 times and he repeats the announcement in all four directions he steps back from the the railing and waits for the next hour to arrive and when 11 o'clock comes he reappears from his hidden office in the cathedral and he again proclaims the time and he repeats this process every hour until 2 a.m his name is renato hostler and he's one of the last in the world to work as a watchman in one of the last cities in the world that still employs the tradition today. And while Renato's job is largely ceremonial, watchmen of old were more than just keepers of time. They were protectors of the people. Because you have to go back to a day when sleep only came with one eye open for fear of the dangers that lurked in the unknown. And these watchmen of the night made peaceful rest more attainable you could lay your head on your pillow knowing that someone out there had made your safety their priority and should danger come you knew that the watchman would sound the alarm they would ring the bell blow the trumpets and while the people responded those same watchmen were also the first line of defense because much more than mere timekeepers they were heroes of the people the earliest of the tradition of first responders. The first watchmen of Lausanne began their shifts more than 600 years ago when a series of fires had killed hundreds of people in the town. But the tradition of watchmen began much further back, hundreds, even thousands of years in time. Now sure, the main concern of the people of Lausanne those centuries previous was fire, but the watchmen on the walls had to keep a sharp eye out for more than just smoke. Because dangers far more sinister could be hidden in shadows, concealed in ways that are hard for us to imagine in this age of satellite imaging and radar detection that make it near impossible for you to hide. Smaller camps that lack the protection of walls surrounding them had to contend with predator animals on the prowl, seeking their next easy meal. Lions, tigers, and bears oh my <laughs> they could certainly destroy a camp but threats far more dangerous than these animals might lurk 
beyond the reach of flickering light from the campfire because in those days you never knew when an enemy occupied the darkness just beyond the tree line or beyond the scope of your vision his entire armies could be lying in wait searching for vulnerabilities in your defense waiting for the perfect opportunity to strike on their victims unaware no lions tigers and bears were not the worst animals it was people that you had to worry about and if the need for someone to keep watch was not immediately apparent, then all it would take is one attack while everyone slept, and it would become very soon glaringly obvious. You may not realize just how important watchmen of the night were, but maybe this will put it in perspective. Your Bible does not divide time of night into hours like it does the day. It divides it into shifts three-hour watches four shifts from six in the evening to six in the morning when the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2 Peter said for these are not drunken as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day that is nine in the morning on a Sunday because their day began at 6 a.m. when the last shift was over third hour of the day when Jesus walked on the water it happened at night and Matthew records that it was in the fourth watch of the night these not these watches were such a big deal that it affected their perspective of the night no the watchmen were not just timekeepers they were protectors of the people heroes of the night and by necessity it was required that they be vigilant guardians always on the lookout for danger and these watchmen on the walls must be willing to sound the alarm when the message necessitates it God told Ezekiel in chapter 3 verse 17 son of man I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me and he lists the responsibilities of the watchman again in Ezekiel chapter 33 but he couples that list with a very stern warning if the watchman neglects his duty Ezekiel 33 verse 6 says but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned then if the sword come and take any person from among them he is taken away in his iniquity but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand in other words if I have chosen you if I pick you up and I place you on the wall you have a job to do it is the watchman's responsibility to blow the trumpet to sound the alarm and God says if someone dies because you did not give them the warning I will require their blood at your hand and just to make sure that the watchman understands their responsibility God reiterates a clarification in verse 8 when I say unto the wicked O wicked man thou shalt surely die see we're not just talking about lions and tigers and bears he says oh wicked man thou shalt truly die if you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way that wicked man shall die in his iniquity but his blood will I require at your hand God says let me be clear I have chosen you and while others lie still in darkness I picked you up and I placed you on the wall it could have been someone else that I snatched up out of darkness. But it is you 
that I have anointed with purpose. So what will you do with what you have been given? You have a message. You have a calling. You have a purpose. He could have chosen anyone else, but it was you. I've appointed you to be the watchman on the wall because it's you that I want to deliver my message. But you need to know one thing going in. I've got no use for quiet watchmen. If God gives you a word, he says, you better speak it. Though I, through Isaiah, God said, I have set watchmen upon my walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Show me a quiet watchman and I'll show you someone who has completely missed their purpose. He has no use for silent saints that sit on the pew and do nothing with what they've been given. If he gives you a warning, if he gives you a message, it is your job to sound the alarm. If he gives you a message, you better spread that message because you have been anointed to be a watchman on the wall and you've got a responsibility not to keep it to yourself, but to tell the world. But do not think for a second that you are exempt just because God has not called you to preach. Do not think that you're exempt because he has not called you to some kind of pulpit ministry. See, that may not be your calling, but I'm here to tell you that you are still called. God called you to be a witness. He's given us a message. And if a message must be given, then it is the duty of the watchman to proclaim that message. So, question is, what's the message? The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ marked the fulfillment of Scripture. And he said as much. Everything from, from the very beginning pointed to him. He said as much in Luke 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That's what Jesus said. Once Scripture was fulfilled and he was resurrected, there was a job to do. And the Gospels all give accounts of this last meeting after he's resurrected. There are these accounts of this last meeting between Jesus and his disciples just before he descended into the heavens. Mark 16 and 15. Mark, Mark was a man of very few words. A lot of you will like that. Mark, he just, he gets right to the point, you know? Very few words. And he summarized almost the entire message from Jesus in one verse when he wrote, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But you got to understand, okay? Um... Your, your perspective of things will differ from mine. If I, if I am telling a story, I'm, I'm going to pick out details that are relevant to me. Things that I see based on my experiences and my perceptions. Now, if you tell the exact same story, you're going to pick out details that might be just a little bit different from me. It's going to be a different story. Maybe I should rephrase that. It's going to be the same story but it's going to be a completely different version. And so whenever we read through the Gospels, we, we see the same thing. you got to understand that 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they don't tell the same stories. John saw things that, that of course, you know, the other ones didn't see. Because he was, he was one of those three that were in the inner circle. He had James and John and, and Peter. And so those three saw things. Nobody else was on the Mount of Transfiguration except for, for them, Matthew 17. So they saw things that the others didn't see. And, and even whenever they were counting these stories, the, the details seem a little bit different. So understand this. The Bible is not contradictory. If the accounts are different, it's not contradictory. It's just their perspective. Right? Okay, so we're on the same page. So Mark says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke's writings, he noted that Jesus talked about repentance and remission of sins being preached in Jesus' name. Now, when you go to the book of Acts, Acts is really just Luke volume 2. All right? When Luke writes his account of that last meeting, and I, I think it was Galilee, memory serves me right, Luke says he talked about repentance and remission of sins. When we get to Acts chapter 2, what is it that Peter's talking about? Repentance, remission, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mark highlighted the preaching, the gospel to the world and the necessity of baptism. All things must be done in Jesus' name. That's what Mark says. Matthew says, teach all nations, baptizing in the name. If you read Matthew 28, if you read Mark 16, Luke 24, you can find a harmony of all of those accounts whenever Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Because Peter preached Jesus to those guys that thought that they were drunk whenever they heard them speak in other tongues. And then Peter tells them the same thing that we read that Jesus had told them. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There's that word again. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter was not dreaming up some brand new message. He's plagiarizing. He's plagiarizing this masterpiece of a message that, that we give him credit for. It was just Peter repeating everything Jesus said. He, 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 Peter's not that smart. He's really not. He didn't come up with that all on his own. Not one time did he give Jesus the credit. That's sorry. <laughs> sorry, sucker. Not one time does he say, look, Jesus said all this. I, this ain't me. No. He's plagiarizing him. But don't think that Jesus is upset about that because Peter is doing exactly what he was called to do. See, Peter was not born a Levite. And if you know your Bible, you know that the Levites were the ones that were called to work in the temple. These are the priests. Peter was not a Levite. He's not a priest. His calling was not to be a preacher. Peter was a fisherman. But God said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. His calling was not to be a preacher. It was to be a witness. See, you may not be called a pastor, but it does not make you exempt from witnessing. You may not have a call on your life to preach, but it doesn't mean that you're not called. You are here for a reason. You're in the church for a purpose. It, 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 it did not have to be you. It didn't have to be you that he saved. It could be anyone else sitting on these pews, on, this, on these chairs. Sorry, my church has pews. It could be anyone else sitting in your spot. But God chose you. What are you going to do with what you've been given? Why, why you? You ever wonder that? Why me? It could, you, you're in the church for a purpose. We, we could have been born 
into idolatry, raised worshiping false idols. I could have been over there with some little G.I. Joe looking thing and saying, this is my God. Look at him, ain't he cute? But that's not me. I was born and raised in truth and thank God for it. You could have been born into one of those countries that, that would put you to death for just worshiping the name of Jesus, but God placed you in proximity to the truth for a reason. What is the reason? What, what is the purpose? See, there is, there is no telling where some of us might be right now if it was not for the Lord. There are testimonies out there that would shock most people. You may not have been born into this. Your background might even be a little bit sketchy. But guess what? That's all right. Because the important thing is, you're here. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you used to be. You're here now. The question is, why? Why are you here? Why you? Why me? What are we going to do with what we've been given? We got a message. We got to tell the whole world. Should danger threaten or any enemy attack, the watchman had to blow the trumpet. They had to sound the alarm. Alert the people. Their number one priority was to make sure that the message got out. But they had, they, they had other duties. They needed to possess other traits because they were also the first line of defense. If they see smoke, they might have to fight a fire. For those that are unaware of, of what's happening in the world right now, somehow I think California and Louisiana have switched places. Did I hear they are expecting a hurricane or something somewhere in California? That's, that's ours, man. Don't take our stuff. We got that and crawfish, Cajuns, you know, that's, that's it. Y'all got all kind of stuff. Man, California, you take all the best things in the world, and California has something just like it, all right? California is wonderful, beautiful. One of the most beautiful places on, on, on God's creation. Love, love it. But here we are, Louisiana. My, my wife and I, before we left, it was kind of a tough thing to do. We, we prayed over our home. We anointed it because not even a mile down the road, they were, they were having to put out wildfires. And it's, it's all windy and everything. We took all of our, I had to explain to my kids what irreplaceable means. Because you know that if I go to them and I say, listen, I need you to get everything that you don't want to lose in the fire and bring it in here to the living room, they're going to bring everything. They tried I had to explain to them what the difference is between things that can be replaced and, and things that cannot be replaced. You know, I've got a quilt in there in the living room that my great-grandmother made for me. That's irreplaceable. I, I, I don't, I don't want to lose all of my stuff, but, you know, we're, we're in there putting picture albums and stuff in the living room. That way, while we're gone, if we get notification that our house is going up in flames, at least my parents can get over there and, and try to save some of our important stuff. This is the job of the watchman. We, 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 we appointed a couple of watchmen over our home. God bless our, our sweet neighbors who are, are going to text us and, and let us know if something is happening to our house and, of course, a dear friend that lives down the road. And if that happens, our parents go, that's the watchman. If they see smoke, they, they might have to go and fight the fire. There, there are people right now in Louisiana that, I mean, these, these fires with the winds, they're, they're unpredictable. You guys know this. I'm, I'm spouting it all like this is, you know, I'm, I'm teaching you here. Um, 
they went, we, we, we're unfamiliar with any of this. You know, it's like snow down in the south. It just doesn't happen. We're, we're, we're not equipped for it. That's why we get like an inch of snow and we shut down everything in the south. You know, and then up north, it's like they, they have the infrastructure for that kind of thing, but they look at us like we don't, we, we're not equipped for this kind of thing, you know? Well, they're, they're out fighting these fires and stuff, and it's unpredictable, and the fire jumps across the highway. A few of them had parked their, their vehicles along the side of the road, and, and now their vehicles are gone. And these are the guys that are volunteering to fight the fire. That's what you might have to do as a watchman. You're the first responder. You see a smoke, you might have to fight a fire. If a predator threatens, now guess what? You're in animal control, buddy. Get you a stick or something. If an enemy attacks, they're the first ones in the fight. So they better be good with a weapon. You can't be useless. You, be, you better have something. A good watchman is a vigilant one. Head, head on a swivel. You got to look out. Always keeping a sharp eye for any kind of threat that might be out there. It's not just looking for smoke and then telling somebody else, hey, you better get out there and do something. No, 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 no. You have a job to do. It's your job. Your job to go. You don't get to look at the person beside you and say, hey, I think, I think God's trying to tell you to go out there and do something. I want you to go pray with my... No, you go pray with them. No, you go tell them. You're the one with the burden. You go tell them. God has anointed you. He's appointed you. You have purpose. A, 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 a good watchman is a vigilant one, head on a swivel, keeping a sharp eye for any kind of threat because the safety of not only your family but of all the families, it, it depends on you. It, it rests on your shoulder. The responsibility is a great weight on your shoulders. A good watchman must always stay alert because it's important that we remember everyone else is asleep. The last person you want to be your watchman as one that falls asleep on the job. It's the responsibility of the watchman to warn the people. But not all who are called to be watchmen will surrender to that calling. See, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh with a warning. You tell them to repent, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah packed his bags, and he got on a boat just like he was supposed to. Only problem was that boat's going in the wrong direction. And Jonah knew it was. The boat is operated by pagan sailors, worldly men. These guys are idol worshipers. They serve false gods. They got these little dolls in their bags. And this is this is my this is my Lord. And this is my Savior right here. I gotta carry him around and help him because he's he's useless. But they still that's mm, whatever. They're lost. They're in darkness. And they're a good representation of the state of the world. But that's no problem for Jonah. Because this watchman who carries a message from God, a warning is fleeing from the presence of God, where he's trying to anyway. The Bible says that the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Now, I'm about to blow your mind here. with some. I'm about to drop a knowledge bomb on you. Ready? Ships were made to sail you feel that ships were made to float there is no problem when boats are in the water that's what they're there for that's what they were made for the problems begin when the water gets in the boat see the church is in the world that doesn't mean it's of the world 
It's not a problem when the church is in the world. The problem is when we start letting the, church, the world in the church. We fulfill our purpose when we are in this world. But we're going to seek when we start letting worldliness and carnality into the church. What are you going to do with what you've been given? See, sit down. The, 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 the raging winds torment this small vessel. It's about to break apart in pieces. The rising waves crash against the ship and pour water over the sides as, the, as, as this little boat is tossed to and fro. And the turbulence threatens to tear apart the, the hull of the ship. And the sailors begin to unload the merchandise that they were carrying. And, and, and they throw it all overboard to try and lighten the load on the ship. And every one of them was terrified. And all of these pagan men, all, they understand we are in a storm. This is the, the world is not the way that it's supposed to be right now. Every one of them is terrified. And these pagan men, these worldly men begin to cry out to their different gods and their idols. But where is Jonah? Where is the man with God's message? Where is the watchman with his warning? The Bible said he's below deck, fast asleep. Jonah 1 and 6, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? And he didn't say it as calm as I was. <laughs> Arise, call upon thy God. If so be, that God will think upon us that we perish not. Again, he was not calm like I was when I'm telling you, all right? There was urgency in his voice. God said to Jonah, I'm sending you with a message. I'm appointing you to be a watchman with a warning. And if God gives you a message, we all know that you better deliver that message. But Jonah flees from God. And not only does he run from his calling, but the watchman also falls asleep on the job. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that this sea, this storm at sea, was an act of judgment. And it would be easy to point at the sailors, those pagan worldly idol worshipers, and blame the chaos of everything that was happening, all the calamity on them. But the storm came about because a man with a message ran from God and ran from his calling. The storm was not the world's fault. The storm was there because the watchman sleeps on the job. How easy it is for us to point our self-righteous fingers at everybody else and blame the turmoil on everyone else. It's, it's your fault. Look, look at your sin. Look at your wickedness. This is all you. But the darkness only gets darker when our light gets dimmer. The storm rages when we withdraw. How much of the chaos in our nation is due to silence from the church? How much of the blame lies at the feet of us who have neglected our calling, who have fallen asleep on the job? Because we, we can't forget that it was the pagan shipmaster that came to Jonah and said, Why are you asleep? How is it that you are asleep? It was the world in this story that said to the church, how is it you're the one that's asleep right now? The storm didn't come because the world ignored God's message. The storm came because the messenger never gave the message. I came to ask you tonight, how many revivals await watchmen who neglect their calling? How many souls are lost while we're sleeping on the job? 
You and I have got a job to do, and we cannot afford to be found idle. And so it's time for all the watchmen on the wall to sound the alarm and blow the trumpet and spread the message. Because as God told Isaiah, the watchmen shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Let me not be found sleeping. Let me not be intimidated in the silence. Because I've got a message for the world. And it's the same message they had in those days. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent! Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And we've all got to be ready. We've all got to be ready. Are you ready for his return? Are you ready? Right here, tonight. Are you ready for his return? See, it, it, it begins at repentance. All right? It's, that's, that's, it's more than just godly sorrow. It's more than just, my bad. It's a vow. It's turning around, saying, you know what? I'm, that's not me anymore. Then begins at repentance. But have you been baptized in his name? That's how we apply and identify with his burial. We talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, and that's the, 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 the gospel of salvation. That's how we apply it to our life. Have, have you been buried in the name of Jesus? That's baptism, all right? Then have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? That's how you apply his resurrection. When, when Paul came to Ephesus, he found disciples there. What you've got to understand is they believed. They believed. Belief was not the issue for them. They believed. You've got to do more than just believe on Jesus to be saved. They believed, and yet they still lacked. Because belief in Jesus is not the end. It's just the beginning. My friend, there is so much more that this great God has for you. Belief on him. You do well to believe on Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that that's just the beginning. Acts 19, 2 through 6. He, he, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They believed. They still act. Have you received the Holy Ghost? They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Paul knew. We've got to get that taken care of. For sure. For, let's check. All right? We'll, we'll make a list. For sure. That has to be done. But he said, let me take a step back for a second. You need the Holy Ghost, but we're going to get to that. Verse 3, he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, verse 4, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. He, he baptized into repentance, but there's, there's, there's more. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, first off, don't tell me that baptism isn't necessary. Secondly, don't tell me that it does not matter how you were baptized, because Paul thought it was so important, he took men that had already been baptized. And he baptized them again in Jesus' name. Then Paul says, thank goodness, we got that taken care of. Great, great job, guys. Now we've, now, now we've got to get back to this first question that I had regarding the Holy Ghost. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
this, this is just one scripture. We can, we can go through scripture after scripture after scripture. Your walk with God does not end at belief. It's just the beginning. Every one of us must repent. And every one of us must be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And we must, non-negotiable, we must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Let me tell you, if you're here and, and you've never experienced any of those things, my friend, you do not want to take a chance on eternity. You want to make sure that you get this thing right. I came here to ask, are you ready for his second coming? See, this, this is the message. This is the great commission, we call it. To preach the gospel to the whole world. Where are the watchmen on the walls preaching this? We cannot be silent. We better not be found asleep while all the world is, a, is, a, is in turmoil. Because we all have a job to do. You have been chosen. You have a calling on your life to spread the word. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. And so we've all got to be ready. I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. Some tacos are calling my name. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 25, uh, verse 1 through 13. In it, he, he lets us know what happens whenever we fall asleep. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. He says, five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps. They took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in, in, in their vessels with their lamps. Let me be clear about this. This story is not a parable about saints and sinners. There were five wise and five foolish, but this is not talking about the church and the world because all 10 were likened unto 10 virgins. So these kept themselves pure. These lived righteously. They set boundaries in their life. They lived by those boundaries. They, they abstained from defilement. This is a parable about the church. This is a message about the saints because the sinners weren't even invited to the party. You're not going to have an invitation to the wedding if you're not part of the church. You've got to be part of the church, okay? So this is about the church. Verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. The bridegroom awaits. Jesus is coming again, but the church is asleep. I want you to see what happens, though, when we fall asleep on the job. Verse 6, at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Now, you've got to remember that these are the saints. This is the church. The world's not invited. This is the church. And if Jesus had not mentioned that five did not bring extra oil, we would have nothing else to distinguish one group from the other. It's important that you remember that they all looked the part. To the eyes of everybody else, they belonged. They're in the club. They worship just like everybody else. They, 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 they show up, they're faithful to church. These, these are, 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 are righteous. At this point in the story, everybody looks the same. The church fell asleep waiting, and when the call went out, all ten arose and trimmed their lamps. I, just recently, I, I, I began to view this story a little bit differently. There's nothing in Scripture to indicate that their lamps, their light, 
went out. See, the process of trimming the lamp could be done by one of either or a combination of, number one, pouring more oil in the lamp. Think about pouring gasoline in a fire or something. You want that baby to get up and don't do that. That's dangerous. Or number two, using a tool that would pick up the wick and expose more of the unburned portion and then trimming those burned portions off. That's trimming your lamp. You, you trim your lamp when your light goes dim and you want it to shine brighter. All 10 trimmed their lamps. It doesn't necessarily mean that their lights went out. They just wanted the light to shine brighter. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil for now. Our lamps are gone out. See, I, I, I this is my opinion. I, I, I don't know that I can necessarily prove it, but I believe that it wasn't until after they all trimmed their lamps did those five foolish say that their lamps were gone out. Is it possible that in trying to make last-minute preparations to make their light appear brighter than it was, the very act of trimming their lamps is what caused them to go out? Verse 9, But the wise answered, saying, Not so, not giving you my oil, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. See, I realize completely that the only difference between the five wise and the five foolish is in the amount of oil that they brought. That's the thing that distinguishes them. The foolish tried to survive on the same oil that they started out with in the beginning. It's just another reason that I, I, I can't believe once saved, always saved. Because let me tell you that you can run out of oil. I don't know about you, I need the Holy Ghost every day. I can't get enough of it. You can run out of oil. Your light can go out. You need a fresh outpouring of His Spirit in you. Once is not enough. I'm glad that you got it. Uh, you need it, but you need it again. Because the light can go out. I'm, I'm getting off track. That's, that's not what I came to talk about. I'm going to talk about that another time. We know that the five foolish didn't bring enough oil. We know that they should have prepared extra. But if the church never fell asleep in the first place, then it never would have happened. I realize, yes, the foolish should have, should have brought extra oil too. I realize that the, the, it, it's, it's their fault. It's on them. It is. We're all responsible for our own relationship with God. It, it, it is on them. But the five wise fell asleep too. And if the five wise would not have fallen asleep, they could have warned those foolish who let their light get dim and go out. Because if those five wise would not have fallen asleep, they would not have to hear the pleas of the five foolish desperately knocking on the door, crying out to the bridegroom, Lord, Lord, open up to us. Lord, let us in. If the church would not have fallen asleep, then maybe all 10 
would have made it. Maybe, just maybe, we could have saved more if the church had not fallen asleep. Look at what Jesus says in the last verse of the parable. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour where in the Son of Man cometh. Watch, watch, watch. There's no use for watchmen asleep on the walls. Jesus is coming soon. We need watchmen willing to sound the alarm that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Why don't, why don't everybody stand? Musicians, get ready. There's a law in, in, in Leviticus. If you open up your Bible and you're reading through it, you probably have to get, when you get to Leviticus, you've probably got to pull the pages apart and stuff. We don't like Leviticus, Leviticus a whole lot. It's, it's, it, man, it's weird. They got laws about stuff that you're like, why? Is that, did, was that necessary? Did that really need to be a thing? Just read it. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But there's a law in Leviticus 6 regarding the altar specifically. And it's about the fire upon the altar. Verse 12 says, And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And ye shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. See, the key here isn't just in adding fuel to the fire every day, which you do need to do. You want to keep the, the, the flames lit. You want to keep your light shining. You don't just serve God on Sunday. You got to live for God every day. Every day there should be prayer. Reading the Bible needs to become a habit. All these things and so much more, these all add fuel to the fire, but that's not the focus of the law. The focus is in making sure that the flames never die. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Not if it goes out. Go, go try to start. It shall never go out. Be on the lookout. Oh, watchman, watch, watch. Listen to what Jesus had to say in Luke's gospel. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open to him, open unto him immediately. And listen carefully, very carefully. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching they're not found sleeping blessed are the ones found watching watching he says verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them and, and if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants they, they, they don't know when he's coming they don't have a clue these, these, remember, these watches are split into uh, three-hour shifts. They said if he doesn't come in the first watch, if he doesn't come in the second watch, maybe he'll come in the third watch. We, d we don't know, but you better be out there with your light shining bright. When, when the householder gets home from the wedding, the servants had to be at, at the gate with their lamps shining bright 
you, 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 you get a servant that's inside sleeping and doesn't know when the master's going to be home, that servant's going to be fired. They're, su they're supposed to be out there at the gate waiting for his arrival with their lamp shining bright. But you don't know when he's coming. They could be out there for hours. And it looks like nothing is changing. This, no, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. The worship team, they get ready to lead us. I, I, I want to invite you around the altar. Just to, I, I, I came with a message on this day that Jesus is coming soon. And we better get ready. See, I, I, I'm not taking chances on my eternity. I'm going to live today like there's no tomorrow. Because I don't, I, I don't want to wait another day. Because if I weren't sure, I wouldn't wait another second. I'd commit myself to God right now. And I'd give myself completely to Him. This isn't said out of wrath. It isn't said out of anger. Yeah, I, I got loud a little bit. It's because I'm passionate. All right, I'm sorry. This is said out of love. I, I, I don't want to be the one on the other side of that door that has to hear you knock. I don't want to be on the other side hearing you knock and saying, please, please let me in. I want to be sure. I want to be sure that I'm on the right side of the door, but I also want you to be sure. I don't want to see your voice, hear your voice. I don't want to see your face and say, I, I, I knew them. I never, I never would have thought. I, I saw them. Maybe if I'd just known. I don't want to see you on the... I, th I think it was in Luke's gospel. He, he, he talked about a great gulf that was a fix between heaven and hell. And he talked about the, the, the rich man that looks up and saw Lazarus up in heaven, but that's not where the rich man is. They see each other. I preached a message a long, long time ago. I'm obviously I'm not about to, to re-preach it. I'll tell you the, the, the only thing that could make hell worse is knowing that I led my family and friends there, seeing their faces. I, I don't I don't want to go. I don't want to go myself. I don't want to be there. I looked over and there's my daughter there's my kids looking at me saying why didn't you do something why didn't you tell me and as great as heaven is going to be as great as heaven is going to be I tell you what would make heaven sweeter is in the same way looking around and, and seeing my family seeing my kids and them saying dad you were right yeah we went through hell on earth but I'm glad we're not in hell right now dad you were right it was hard it was hard to live this commitment it was hard to live this life but dad you were right I'm so glad and as great as heaven would be there's one thing that could ruin it for me 
It's looking out over that great gulf of fix between the two of them and seeing the faces of the ones that I know. And wondering, could I have done more? Are they there because I failed? Are they there because I neglected my duty? Are they there because I didn't fulfill my purpose? Are they there because I was silent when God gave me a message, when God called me to be a witness? Watch. 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 I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But I, if I had any doubt, I tell you right now, I don't care who else is watching. I don't care who sees me. Pride is not going to stand in my way. I've got to make sure that my name is written down in that Lamb's book of life. I'm here to tell you that if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, we can make that happen right now. We don't have to wait. Let me tell you, your tacos will be there in a minute. The tacos will be the second best thing that happens to you tonight if you get baptized in Jesus' name. I promise you that. And if you don't remember how you were baptized, Paul thought it was important enough that he be rebaptized. John's disciples to, to make sure that it was done right. Eternity is not a thing that you want to take a chance on. Because you, you, you can get baptized right now. And if you've never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can have it right now. All you got to do, you just... You, we listen. You come down here, pray and repent. We, I, you you don't have. This isn't a place where there, we don't we don't do the whole confession thing here. I, listen, I got enough dirty laundry on my own. I don't need to know yours, man. My line's heavy. It, it it's 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 hanging. I, I I got no more room. I I got my own that I got to worry about. I don't have to know yours. You don't have to confess it to me. All you got to do is you tell him, God, I'm, I'm making a commitment right now that I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be the same. I, I'm, I'm turning around. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. And if you'll do that, you'll repent. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus. You can get the Holy Ghost right now. And I'm telling you, it is life-changing. You'll never feel the same. Your countenance will change. Your walk will change. Your look will change. You can have that gift tonight but 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 hang on a second hang on a second don't let that word gift throw you off see you you we, we in a minute we'll have some praise singers that are lined up on this platform and they're going to sing and you've got musicians that are going to play and it, it's a gift man it's a gift these people are these people are gifted i i, I know people that they're they're so gifted it makes me want to quit whatever i'm doing i'm like god why, why are you calling me are you just, just use him that, that's a gift, all right? But that's not the gift that, that God's talking about. That's not what gift means when he says gift of the Holy Ghost. It's, it's not, see, some people have gifts that others don't. Some are so blessed we call them gifted. But that's not why the Holy Ghost is called a gift. It, it, it's not a gift because it's given to some and not to others. I know people like to use, what is it, 1 Corinthians 12. Paul talks about the gifts and and. and and tongues and interpretation of tongues and that that's not what the, that's not the gift of the holy ghost it's a different thing i don't have time to get into it it's it's not a gift given to some but not to others it's called a gift because are you ready for this it's free you don't have to do anything for it you think you're not worthy you don't have to pay anything jesus already paid it all it's a 
gift because it's free and you can have it right here, right now. If you want the, the gift of the Holy Ghost, you got to repent. And more than asking forgiveness of your sins and godly sorrow, and you do need both of those things. Repentance is the act of turning around. You do that. And it's a, it's a commitment to God that says, I'm never going back to the way things were. And if you find yourself in need of the Holy Ghost, or, or maybe you had it before and it's been a long time, let us know. We'll pray for you. We're not here to air out your laundry to everybody. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to love you. We're here to pray with you. We're not here to mock you. We're not here to judge you. We, we're, we're with you. We're supporting you. We're encouraging you. And we just want the opportunity to bind with you and pray with you and believe for you. And they're about to lead us in worship. But before they begin, I want everybody in here to find a place to pray. And you may already have the Holy Ghost, and I, I hope that you do. But all that means is that you've got a job to do. You've got a job to do. And I don't want to be found sleeping on the job. I don't want the world asking of me like they did of Jonah. How is it that you could be asleep right now? No, I want to be found watching, anticipating his arrival. When he comes, I hope he catches me witnessing to others and spreading the gospel and sharing his message because we all have a call to be watchmen on the wall. I want you to close your eyes. Lift up your hands right now. Lift up your voice. Don't worry about the person beside you. be there myself I don't want to have to look across that gulf and see your face get right get it right right now don't wait another second don't wait another day Jesus we need you right now we're here Lord we pour our life out to you I open up my heart to you God come on if you don't know how to pray just close your eyes don't, don't worry about the person beside you. Don't, want, don't worry about anybody looking at you. Just lift up your hands. Just open up your mouth. Begin to talk to them. Just, just, just tell them, Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I give you everything. I open my heart to you right now. I want my life. I, I, I don't, I'm never going to be the same, God. I give you everything right now.
tell you what I see right now. Because I'm about to prophesy to some of you. In, in a moment, you're going to feel a tug at your heart to go and lay hands on somebody else. I want to tell you something. That there's nothing special about me. I'm just a guy. I, I can't do anything for you. You need, you, you, you got sickness in your body? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't help you. I can't do anything. There's nothing special about me. But the God that I serve, oh my word, in Him is everything that you need. And you have that anointing. You have that power in you. You, you don't have to have some Pentecostal celebrity to come lay hands on you, to equip you. No, you got the Holy Ghost, you've been equipped. You have everything that you need right now. What I'm telling you is that God is about to use some of you to lay hands on one another. You're about to work and operate in faith right now. Some of you might even feel an unction of the Holy Ghost to begin to prophesy to one another. If you feel that tug in your heart, if you feel like God is leading you to someone special, someone specific, surrender to it. Go and lay your hand on them. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they need. And so just, just trust it. Just believe it. Just step out in faith and, and believe that God is going to use you right now. We're going we're gonna to join together right now. We're going to bind together and we're going to start praying for one another. And I believe that some of you are going to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to move from your little spot where you're comfortable. We got our crown. We got a little touch. But I told you, I'm not here for pretty church. I'm not here for some pretty preaching and, 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 and leaving here and say, man, that was a good service. No, I'm here for an encounter yes. with the supernatural. Yes. And I'm believing in faith that that's going to happen right now. So they're about to sing again. I want you to step out in faith and believe that God's going to use you to operate in the gifts. God's going to use you to operate in faith. God's going to use you to lay hands and pray for one another right now. Lift him up. Lift him up. And if you feel led to step out, if you feel led to pray for someone else, just do it. And it doesn't even have to be somebody specific. You just go and you start laying your hands on them, believing with them, and watch God start praying through you and using you. God is confirming your call right now. See, some of you are dealing with doubt. You're questioning your calling. You're questioning your anointing. But God is going to give you confirmation right now that he's called you to a higher purpose, that you're going to be used in the Holy Ghost. Step out and pray for one another. Speak in faith over them. Lay your hands on them and pray with authority.
willing to step up. We can't afford to stay silent. Be bold in your faith. Take courage. Step out in boldness. Step out in your faith tonight. Let the Lord use you. Don't be afraid to go beyond the comfort. Don't be afraid to surrender to what you feel right now. Come on, that's the Lord. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.